Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. We are excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts, including Noche UFC. I think we're going to spend the bulk of this show talking about Noche UFC's main event featuring Alex, uh, sorry, Alexa Grasso, the champion. She was defending her title against Valentina Shashenko, the former champion. You all know the result by now, but we're going to go over the fight. Round by round, the rest of the card as well. But this championship fight, look, I disagree with the result for one. But it was up there, man. One of the best championship fights of the year. One of the best championship fights I've seen in a long time. And for sure, if you just want to break it down into WMMA and MMA, it's up there, man, for WMMA. It had everything that I would want in a fight. Um, other than maybe a finish. <laughs> but they went for it. They both did. So that was pretty epic. Congrats to Alexa Grasso. She walks away with the belt. It was a draw. But uh, I think Valentina Shishenko should have been the new champion, the two-time champion. Anyway, we'll unpack all of it. And we also have a guest for you, Scott Kent from Lion Fight. will join us. He'll tell you about the card that's coming up next Saturday here in Las Vegas, Lion Fight. I'm telling you, Lion Fight is pretty damn cool, folks. So that should be fun, too. Okay, goes. So the first thing I want to say, and I'm going to try and be as measured as I can, because I do have an appreciation for how fired up those shows on ESPN and Fox and you know, all those debate and the over-the-top shows with people yelling and screaming. I'm not going to say that I'm not a fan of that. And I'm not going to say that I don't raise my voice when I'm trying to make a point. But I specifically don't want to do it in the sense of bearing Judge Mike Bell, who turned in a score that was so bizarre that even after watching the fight, I just can't wrap my head around how that score kind of, mm, what's the right word? I mean, it interferes in rightful history. You know, these ladies, Alexa Grasso and Valentina should be, Shevchenko should be 1-1, and we should be talking about where the trilogy match will take place. Instead, they're 1-0-1 with Alexa Grasso holding court, and I'm sure there'll be a trilogy. In fact, there might be a tetralogy at some point, because if Shevchenko were to win that, they'd be 1-1-1. Reminds me of Marino versus Davison Figueredo a few years ago, where all the fights were pretty fun. I think at least two of them were really good. One was I, one was quick. But uh, man, I I just rewatched it, and I think the one thing we can all say is round one to Shevchenko, round two to Grasso, round three to Shevchenko, round four is close, round five to Grasso. Pretty much, right? In agreement? I gave round four to Grasso. I rewatched it today. I remember last night thinking Alexa Grasso was going to win. And I rewatched it again today, and I feel comfortable saying she won round two, four, and five. But she did not 10-8. And not only did she not 10-8, it wasn't even in the ballpark, I think, of a 10-8. It was not in the ballpark of a 10-8. In fact, I'm here to make the case that Valentina's round three was more of a 10-8 right. than Grosso's round five. Yeah, if you make if you make round five a 10-8, then you absolutely have to make round three or a 10-8 going the other way. And as far as Grosso's concerned, with round four, I still score it for Shevchenko. But I don't fault anyone who scores it for Grosso. That was close. I think one big key in round four was those knees she landed Mm -hmm. five knees now not all of them were to the head some were kind of like to the shoulder but they were grazing right most of the impact was some to the head some to the shoulder grazing the head 
I saw one that I thought was illegal when I froze it because there's no doubt she had her finger down on a few of those. There's no doubt that Alexa in kneeing her and jerking her also made the finger come up. Oh, I keep saying Alexa and Alexa's going off. Okay. But Nevada asked for you to have pressure on your fingers. And of the five times where she landed the knee, I thought the second one, I believe, she did seem to have a little bit more pressure. It kind of reminded me of in football being in a three-point stance. And Mm -hmm. now it was fast. They reviewed it fast. In fact, John Annick's telling us less than a minute, it appears, after it all went down, that reviews checked it out and that it's, it's good to go. Um. Valentina didn't seem too hurt from it. In fact, she kind of complained calmly and then just went right back to the fight. But it, you know, if Mike, if I think it was Juni, Junipero Camillo scored that round for Grasso, the other two gave it to Shevchenko. If Camillo scores that for Shevchenko, like the other two, then the 10 8 doesn't matter in round five. She's your champ. Okay. Even if you just go, okay, Grasso, you got the 10 8, you know, on, on that judge's scorecard. But he went the other way. And again, it's all in the angles of where the judges were sitting, how much you give to those knees. Uh, Alexa followed it up with uh, getting getting her down to the ground. Um, but Shevchenko, but she didn't really do much with that. Um, prior to those knees, I thought Shevchenko was winning the round. That's why I make the case for Shevchenko on that one. And yes, for any of you that watch Spinning Back Click, of course you know that I had a bet with Danny Segura where I go bald if Shashenko loses. I'm putting that to the side. This is just honestly what I felt. Um, but I'm okay with 10-9 Grasso. And, you know, and that's the way it worked out. One's had it for Grasso and two had it for Shashenko. But going around to th- going back to round three, you think Shashenko, should she have gotten a 10-8? If you give a 10-8 in round five, based on that, you, you need to give one for round uh, three, but I don't think either one of them were 10-8s. Yeah, definitely round three was closer, and I'll tell you why. She, with three minutes and 30 seconds left, is when she slapped on that guillotine, and she went inverted for almost a minute. And I'd say about the first 30 seconds, all you could hear the announcers, and I'm sure we were all thinking at home, was that is tight, because you could see a good angle of it. Then all of a sudden, the angle went, you couldn't see it as much because her arm underneath was very, very buried. And by then, you could tell Grasso was going to be okay. But she, either way, she maintained that position. And then she wound up basically taking her back. And she had a body triangle for the pretty much the duration of the round. Only at the very end with like 10 seconds left did Grasso kind of get out. And they were at a standstill. She couldn't make the complete turn. So what does that mean? That's duration because it was three minutes and 30 seconds and dominance because she had a an attack for the finish with the body triangle and basically the other one could not do nothing. Now, the rule says if two of the three Ds are present, damage, duration, and dominance, and I'll give her duration and dominance, not damage. Even though she fit, hit her a few times, I don't think it was too damaging. Then you may consider a 10-8. Not you have to put it down. You may consider it. It appears all three judges didn't consider it. And I get it. And you know why? Because one thing I found out, and one thing I've just pretty much surmised all these years is the one D you definitely want to get is damage and then one of the other two, if not both. And that's mm-hmm. the one that she didn't have. So, okay, no 10-8. Um, you go into round five, and two judges have a 3-1 Shevchenko. One judge has it 2-1, two, 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, 2-2. Two, two. So in two of the judges' eyes, if there's no finish, it's she's drawing dead. Grasso's drawing dead. If it goes the distance, then we just give out 10-9s, which is basically what should have been given out. Because in that fight goes, Grasso only did what she did with 90 seconds left. And you know that um, when she got on top of her and went after her, attacked her, it was only 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. It was only 10 seconds when she got under the chin and then um, she let it go. So when she also started hitting her, Valentina blocked a lot of it. Now, one thing she wasn't doing 
was intelligently defending herself because she was on all fours. And it was like, okay, you can't just do that forever. But a lot of those punches were hitting arm, glove, arm, hand, glove. A couple would sneak in. Very, very little. But nothing that it appeared was messing Valentina up because Valentina pulled out of it and basically landed kind of in a, in a top side position. Um, now, again, it was enough for Grasso to win the round. Oh, and prior to that minute and a half, Shevchenko was, was out striking her cleanly. Very this cleanly. Round, which which wow. round? You're, you're, oh, round five. I was going to say it sounds yeah. more. Yeah, round five. I, I want to go. I want to go. To me, the one that, that's the most in question is round four. And in round four, you brought this up. Um, Valentina was winning that round up until the knees. I thought it was six knees. I thought they all landed on the head, but I'll go back and watch it. Um, that was Valentina's bad in the sense that that's just maybe not knowing the rules because I think she just kept trying to use that as a defense and it wasn't getting called. And so she was taking shots. Then there was a takedown from that. And some ground and pound, right? That's why I thought all that kind of outweighed the early part of the round where I thought Valentina was winning, but just not by much. Mm-hmm. Then you're right. Round three or round five, you know, Valentina got a little bit of tough luck because I bet you in those strikes, the knees of the head, she probably had a case for maybe two of them. And then a lot of that takedown, there was a lot of back to back of the head too that she took. Mm-hmm. Um, that just kind of. She got warned. Home. She got warned huh? by Herb. She got yeah. warned by her. So I could see her being very, very frustrated, you know, more so than Alexa Grasso. Um, I've always said this, like, at the end of the fight, Alexa Grasso, I, by the way, I think Alexa Grasso won the fight. I thought she had a great performance. She you did do? something, though, that a great performance? Better than last time, and she finished her last time. I thought she she was strong, man. That was nothing. To, I, I didn't see any greatness. Uh, I thought I saw someone who was a half step behind Shevchenko for most of the fight. I thought she'd done stuff to Shevchenko that other people have never done. She knocked her down. Yes. Flat that in the was face. That, that never happened. That was a beautiful it. punch. Yes, I agree. She, she took her down. That rarely happens. You know, like she's she did some good stuff in that fight. Well, thing, did she take her down? I remember yeah, one time she lifted her up off her ass and threw threw her down after the knees. I what believe. round? I think it was round four after the knees. Yeah, there, there was one. I think yeah. But when does when do those things happen to Valentina Shevchenko? And there's not Amanda Nunes on the other side of her. Like it, those rarely happen. And um, the one thing I didn't like was in the end they both kind of seemed confused about what had actually been read. But I don't know that you really smile and like hold your arm up because you didn't win either. You didn't lose your belt. That's great. But I think part of you needs to be a little pissed off. And I think she took that one as a win. And I don't know that it's a win. You know, you just kind of live the fight another day. Mm-hmm. That's me being picky, though. Well, I think she was just happy she got home. She goes home with the belt. When you start hearing 48, 47, you 48, 47, the other one. And and so the last one, you're bracing yourself. And every time they've read off a draw, everyone's got this confused look. Well, not everyone. The the, the ref knows. But everyone, even at home, is like, well, hold on. What happens now? What happens now? Everyone's putting two and two together. And I think by that, t- by that time, Sean Shelby or whoever put the belt around her, and she was like, okay, as long as I walk out of here, champ, mm-hmm. I might not have gotten my win bonus, but I'm champ. You know, that was the goal is to walk out of here with the belt. It may have been ugly. But um, I think that was that relieved look. And then goes, that place was popping, man. And when they're chanting and going off and high-fiving, I mean, I guess you're just going to have that dumb smile no matter what. It ain't the dumb smile of like, yeah, that's what's up. I showed her what time it is. No, it's not that smile, but it's just a, it's a relief smile. It's over, you know, and you're still the champ. Mm-hmm. Here's the strike count. In round one, it was pretty even. Shevchenko was just more accurate. She was 14 of 40. Alexa Grasso was 12 of 41. So Shashenko landed two more and threw one less. Um, in round two, Grasso was 28 of 42, 66%. And Shashenko was 15 of 29. And that's the round where Grasso flat, flattened her. She knocked her down. So we're not, no one's arguing either one of those. Um, in round three, this one didn't have too much 
in terms of striking because, again, for three minutes and 30 seconds, they are basically on the ground. But you still give the edge to Shishenko. She was 19, sorry, 9 of 18, 50%. Grasso was 4 of 15, 26%. Um, round four, pretty close. 20 of 49, 40% for Grasso. 19 of 43, 44% for Valentina. So Grasso had one more strike than Valentina, uh, and she threw six more. And that's the one where she landed those knees and also got a takedown. I can't remember. I know Valentina got four takedowns. I just can't remember in what rounds they were or anything like that. And then in round five, the strike count goes to Valentina. She was 23 of 49. Grasso was 20 of 56. So Valentina landed more and threw less. She had a higher percentage. Um, and that's the round where she went to, they were like locked up body to body. And then Alexa managed to hang on to a wizard, which allowed her to land in top position. So um, that grappling nullified the advantage that Valentina had in striking. But again, I think that should have been a 10-9. And if it is, then Valentino wins the title. But the one judge, Bell, give it a 10-8, which I just do not see. Um, it wasn't damaging. It wasn't. In fact, in that round, I think is when Valentino landed a nice elbow that opened up Grasso. But it, it definitely wasn't damaging. There wasn't really duration, and there was dominance, I guess, for a short time, but nothing like round three, which was like three times as much, and and that wasn't a 10-8. So, if you go to MMA decisions, mm -hmm. I think there is 11 Grossos and 10 Shevchenkos. So, I mean, it was close as hell. Yeah, it was pretty even. Um, the uh, Here, I got it right here. It was, yeah, it was pretty even with Grasso's and Shoshenko. I knew there was one that stood out, and it was a 47-46 for Grasso, and it looked like Jed Meshu from MMA Fighting might have given two 10-8s either way. Mm -hmm. um, and Shoshenko's versus Grasso, let's see here. There's four, eight, 11, and Grasso's, there's four. Yeah, so like 11-11. On 48-47s, either way. Again, the, the ones that matter are Michael Bell's 10-8. If he goes 10-9, Shevchenko's champ. Because the other two, because he gave Shevchenko three rounds and Grasso only two. But he gave Shevchenko an eight uh, on the one on one of the two that he lost. Or if Juni Chiro Camillo goes with the other two and gives the 10-9 to Shevchenko, then the Mike Bell 10-8 wouldn't have mattered. So, yeah, man, Grasso caught some breaks to hold on to that title. She didn't win. She didn't lose. It's a draw. She goes home with the belt. But the most glaring thing, because Camillo is entitled to that 10-9. I won't disagree with it. The knees, the takedown at the end, yeah, that might have swayed things. Um, but the 10-8 just stands out like a sore thumb, man. It ruined the night. It did. It. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't the worst thing, but yeah, I mean, you just... We it's could have there. had some. We could have had something, but either way, you know, we're gonna see it again, and I'm excited to see it again. I think it wasn't. It was like early round two, where I was already like, "I'm, I'm down." Whatever happens going forward, I'm down. Let's see it again. Right away, or do you want to break them up a little bit and go either Blanchfield or Ferrant versus Grasso? I don't think you're gonna have a choice because uh, Valentina. Now she's at one point she said fractured. And a fractured thumb is less time, right, to heal. Uh, I would want to see it right away if that's available to us. But it might not be. And if it, if it's not, I don't want to see Alexa just sitting around waiting either. So I would say maybe take another one. Who do you think stood out between Blanchfield and Furon in the last few? I think few maybe uh, Blanchfield. I think if they stay in the Americas, meaning the USA, or they go to Mexico, I could see that being Blanchfield. But if they go to Europe with a title fight, more specifically France, but if they just go anywhere in Europe, then I could see Grasso versus Fiorel being a possibility. If that thumb recovers quick enough that they can run it back, I'd love to see a foursome of Grasso, Shashenko, Fiorel, and Blanchfield 
And that way we have a clear number one. I hate derailing one, you know, two possible opponents, but it seems like the champ already has two opponents, Shashenko and the winner of that. And if Shashenko wins, I mean, we have a tetralogy because it'd be one, one, and one. And so then it'd be a big mix. Let's not forget Tracy Cortez, I think, is 6-0 in the UFC. She just won. Macy Barber looked pretty good. She's won like three in a row. So she's starting to come up the ranks a little bit as well. You got the veterans, Lauren Murphy, Kaylin Chikagan. I don't even know. I, I, I'm pretty sure they're still in the mix. Is Lauren Murphy still in the UFC? Sometimes I it's think hard so. to keep up with that. Sometimes I... She was getting older, and I just wasn't sure if the UFC said, you had your run, girl. It's cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It looks like... Yeah, it looks like she might still be around. She is she forty? She's she's forty. She was forty on July twenty second. Um, she fought Andrade in January. Hasn't done anything since then. Was scheduled to fight Misha Tate. It doesn't seem like she's booked. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I guess she's not really one of the top dogs at this moment, but. Uh, Casey O'Neill's only got one loss in the UFC. I think she's going to be back from her injury soon. Exciting, exciting division, the flyweight division. And, of course, Rose. You know, I'm sure Rose will want to come back, says she wants to stay there. Can you imagine if Tatiana Suarez said, yeah, what the hell? I'm a, I am came back as a flyweight one. Put me in as a veteran there, too. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. So, anyway, it's over. It's done. I don't have to shave my head. Danny Segura doesn't have to shave his mustache. Goes and Nolan King have to grow mustaches. Have you guys talked about it? Yeah, a little bit. When 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 is the day where you go, ta-da, this is it? And then you can and then obviously you would shave it right after, I imagine. I think it's um a little bit easier for me to grow a mustache than it is for Nolan. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. Um we are gonna skip one SBC. So that might give him a little bit more time to grow one. I think mm-hmm. I think I could literally like whatever you have right now, I might have that in like ten days. I think. Okay. Are you going Hitler style? Are you going uh, uh, Raleigh fingers? Definitely uh, not Hitler. Um, <laughs> but well, you, you know what? If somebody goes, "Bitch, are you Hitler?" You know what that man did? You can just go, "No, I'm Michael Jordan." Remember Michael Jordan did that for a while in the Haynes commercials. I think you're better off with Charlie Chaplin, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Don Fry, can you go that thick? Nah, I probably couldn't get that thick that quick. I'm trying to think who would I look like. Well, we're no right. You know who I would look like? I would look like uh, Bob from Bob's Burgers. I think. Hmm. It should be fun. It should be fun. <laughs> I can't believe it ended in a draw. Can you imagine if we would have pushed these guys and actually went with the Mohawk idea? That was the original idea. Anyway, yeah. all right. So here's the rest of the card. For Noche UFC, Jack Della Maddalena defeated Kevin Holland. I was a little bummed out. I was expecting more from that fight. And honestly, I was expecting more from Kevin Holland. Uh, Raul Rosas blitzed Terrence Mitchell. Daniel Zellhuber defeated Christos Giagos. That was a fun fight. Kyle Nelson defeated Fernando Padilla. Lupita Godinez defeated Elise Reed. Roman Kapalov defeated Josh Frem. Edgar Cherez and Daniel Lacerda ended in a no contest. Cherez, uh, we thought, submitted Lacerda, but upon further review, Lacerda never tapped, and referee Chris Tanoni basically interjected too soon based off of Lacerda's body language, we'll say, where a lot of times the ref, when you're getting choked, will see if you're still with us and not, you know, out because it's a blood choke and when his hand immediately went down he jumped in there now others were burying uh, chris tyone and one of them was dominic cruz he's got a little bitterness toward towards referees from a recent fight that he had keith peterson i don't know if you guys remember he smelled like booze and cigarettes or something like that but um i didn't think it was as bad as others say and here's why because maybe not Dom specifically. I just don't have the type of memory to say that. But I know there's been times where an arm is checked. And if it goes down, 
who's screaming, he's out, he's out, he out, he's out. The announcers are. You know what I mean? So it's not like it's not like the hand comes down and then go, no, 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 don't interject yet. I've heard enough, I've heard guys that have fought that have been there. I played the game, whatever, say that and been, you know, wrong. So uh Tyone made a mistake. Now Cruz went on and on about accountability. I mean, what are you gonna do? Fine him? Suspend him? I so I suppose maybe you can, but where do we start? Because these are humans that make mistakes. They're trying as best as they can while thinking of the um, safety of the fighters. And I'll tell you this much. If that hand goes down and you still looking in there, guess what the announcers are doing? Then they're yelling at you for not having stopped the fight and not looking out for the fighters. I mean, it's it's this vicious circle, you know, that can get a little ugly. Um, what did you think of, I guess, the whole sequence of events? Look, I think if you're in a room with 10 people and that arm drops the way it does, at least five, if not more people scream, he's out, he's out. So I don't I don't think it was the worst thing in the world. I just think like moving forward, let's just figure out what we do so that this doesn't happen again. You know, because I just feel like a lot of people would have made that call. And, and at the same time, as a fighter, like you have to understand the the optics of things and the way things look. Because earlier he grabbed his arm and he kind of tugged back. But then this time he just kind of let it drop. Like you have to understand what that looks like too at the same time. So uh, I, I think a little bit of the blame can be shared. But let's just figure out going forward how do we fix that. And for me, I think it's really easy. I think you, you still do that. You know, the, the Hulk Hogan lift up the arm. And if it does drop, then I think you scream, uh, give me a thumbs up. And you do it a couple times because trust me, the next the next debate's gonna be I didn't hear him, right? So do it quite a few times. And if you get no response, then you stop the fight, you know. But uh there's not gonna be that much he's not gonna get brain damage from you know an extra two seconds of being out or something, but at least we'll figure this out. Dom C to imply that Chris Tyone's never taking a a grappling class in his life we don't know that for a fact he might be right i don't know maybe he's a world kickboxing champion we just never knew about it or a division one standout who slowly mm -hmm. migrated over and learned the game little by little but um we don't know but i'll tell you this much a lot of the judges um are more advanced than you think in some of the martial arts and some of the sports that encompass yeah. martial arts so like i say i uh I don't like to pile on. I it's bitterness. It, it, it was a mistake. I'll give Cruz that. That was a mistake. It wasn't the type of mistake where, honestly, if this was a thousand years ago, I think Cruz would have been leading the charge to hang this guy mm -hmm. outside the T-Mobile. You know, like that's it. You know, the, the it's unforgivable. Like that type of thing. Um, what did help was that Cruz seemed very familiar with Tyone and maybe something that had happened previous i'll give him credit for that and recognizing that and dc echoed it as well uh but it, but i watch too many sports to know that it's just it's too close and in that kind of a heat of battle i mean it's it's really really tough I, you know what you don't know how many times uh announcers have been wrong in the whole sequence of when someone gets kicked in the nuts if it's round three do they go to the judge's scorecards was it intentional not intentional they're just as lost as we are so that whole thing about do your job and do it right you know come on i think i, I think a lot of people need to tighten that up across all of mma um and and punting someone if that's if that's your thing okay you know okay but um then what a little hmm? then what you know you uh trust me i believe there should be some accountability but that doesn't mean you like you just send someone down to the minor leagues because they made a mistake like who are you going to replace them with you think who you're going to replace them with is going to be that much better you know what i mean like this guy's got a lot of experience this just kind of happens from time to time you're better uh, yeah, off I, with them than you are without them I think Goddard's getting blitzed by Sarah Longo. This guy's getting blitzed by um, Dominic Cruz. You're right. It'll, it'll just never end because we bitch and whine a lot in this sport. You know, but everybody does. Um, 
I guess what I'm getting at is this, and then I'll leave it alone. When you go out of your way to announce that and the whole world's watching, I think you're minimizing the sport in a way, like making it sound like we just, we're, hey, man, we're just gluing things together, you know, to keep this house of cards up. We just kind of grab some guy that's never been in a jujitsu class, threw him in there. Um, and that's not the case. I think we're now 30. This is our 30th year. And there's a lot of people that are qualified, have put in the time, the education. We're tightening things up as we go. And everyone makes mistakes across the board in the announcer's booth, judging, refing, matchmaking, uh, reporting, everything. You know what I mean? So just let's, let's, let's uh, be constructive. Let's be critical. Uh, we can be critical. Do it with respect, you know, because let me tell you something. Everyone that's out there, this is the cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, the world, the, the world that we bitch. And uh, it's like we kind of almost enjoy ruining people's lives. And you know what? I'm not done. I'll tell you what. I guess I'm still a little bitter about Cruz and the way he acted towards D.C. and calling him out in public and, you know, what he said about non-preparation. It's like, I don't know, this guy just... Uh, Mm. it's kind of weird it's kind of uh, it's hard to i guess really say what i'm trying to say but he kind of acts like a weasel at times yeah i could see some of that um look i mean i thought a lot of people probably agreed with him in the moment mm -hmm. but we're just so quick to to feel like we have to respond to everything at the moment and just you know it, it can never be uh a seven or eight it's got to be a nine or a ten every single time you got to come down on someone and that's just not the case you know i understand if you throw your hands up in the air if you say what you got to say but you have to understand that these things affect a lot of people and overall this guy's a decent ref man you know i just don't understand uh i just feel like a lot of people felt the same way when they saw that arm drop they thought he was out you know unfortunately he wasn't did it screw it up the fight? yeah but can they fight again? Yeah, they, they can fight again. Make them fight again. Let's figure out their pay, right? Because it does kind of suck that nobody's getting a win bonus here. Let's figure that part out. Let's figure out what we could do moving forward. But I, I don't think that it's like the craziest thing that's ever happened and that this guy just needs to go away. Exactly. In fact, I was going to say, when we're done, I'll probably go back and watch the fight again. But you know when those knees were happening? One of those, or I think two of the guys, I can't remember who, they were under the impression that those were illegal. That's how fast this game's moving. And Herb luckily deemed that they weren't, and they had to go to a replay, and that backed up Herb. But if at that moment you thought something, couldn't we say, hey, hey tighten your game up. Didn't you see the, the fingers weren't down? I mean, and, and so if we start doing that, like I say, it's it's good to push for greatness, perfection, whatever it is, but be realistic too. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I agree with Dom in that Tyone was wrong, but but still, how do we learn from it going forward? That's a good conversation to have with the people that we know and see how they plan on addressing it. I'm curious what what will they do, you know? Because as far as I know, the athletic commission will just say, well, you know, they'll go over with him. What were you thinking? He's going to say what he's going to say. They're still going to allow him to ref because they're not going to see it like a career ender, and they're going to acknowledge that. For that mistake, he's probably had fucking a hundred brilliant calls. Mm -hmm. they're, they're just little ones, you know, along the way, and that's all you can ask for, man. Okay, so the rest of the card: Cortez defeated Jasmine Jesudavicious, Charlie Campbell defeated Alex Reyes, Jocelyn Lindgren Knutson Knutson defeated Marnik Mann. 30-27. Tell me those those are the three judges who said. Knutson won every round, but they couldn't decide 10 eights themselves. 10 eights and, no. and 10 nines themselves. One judge goes in that one. Since I have it up, I'll tell you who it is. But if you think about it, a 30 24 and a 30 27, that means that two judges that were sitting in the octagon, one said 10 8, 10 8, 10 8, fighter A. And the other one said, <laughs> Yeah, I'm feeling you on fighter A, but I went 10 9, 10 9, 10 9. I mean, that's a big difference, too. It and is. here it is. Bell went 10-8-10-8-10-8. Minor went 10-9-10-9-10-9. Yeah, that's a huge discrepancy.
between two guys or gals that saw the exact same thing. Yeah. This is just a it's a subjective sport, man. The rules aren't as clear and defined and we I don't know if we'll ever get there. I used to say controversy is good. I think I still stand by it. I, I think it would help us talk about it, create a bigger spotlight. It just sucked for the person that was on the on the shitty end of the controversy. But mm-hmm. we're all kind of growing and doing better now for ourselves. So, um, all right. Here's one thing that I have to report, and this was great news. Performance of the night went to Raul Rosas Jr., Daniel Zahuber, Lufita Godinez, Roman Kapolov, and Charlie Campbell. So what does that mean? All finishers got a bonus. Well, not Cherez because it's a no contest. I hope him and Lacerda, that money's accounted for, by the way. I hope what they do is they, whoever had the higher win bonus, maybe both of them can split it. I thought that was your best suggestion, goes. I like that one. Yeah, I think you got to do something because it's unfair that uh, for both guys, you know what I mean? Like, we're not going to restart the fight in that position. It's done. Once the call's made, it's over, right? You're not going to grab a guy. You're not going to tell him, okay, put him in the joke, but don't put it too tight. Like, that shit ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's just over with at that point when we move on. But at these guys shouldn't be robbed of money because of the mistake because the mistake had nothing to do with them. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, you take the guy, whoever had the higher win bonus, you take that, cut it in half, and then give it to him and rebook him. Yeah. Now, are you ready to be perturbed? Sure. Grasso and Shashenko don't get fight of the night. Why can't they get fight of the night <laughs> and you still give the bonuses to the finishers? Yeah. That place know. was packed, sold out. It did well last minute. It wasn't a pay per view, it was a fight night, but still. And they said the crowd brought it. Like, yeah, well, that is a fight of the night. That's almost a fight of the year candidate for it sure. Is. A fight of the month. You know what I mean? So, how do you not say, that's that. How do you say, man, we just decided to go with this, so you two get kind of screwed in this deal. It bugs the shit out of me, and I'll tell you why, because one week earlier, this is how they did the bonuses goes at UFC 293. Pay attention, because it's a little confusing. Fight of the night went to Cap and Santos. Great fight. Great fight. We'll give it to them. This fight was greater than that one, by the way, but great yeah. fight. And they said Strickland, who didn't finish Izzy, Got a bonus, and I'm not hating on that. It was one hell of a performance. So now we know you don't have to get a finish to say, hey, that was a great performance. You get money. And they gave it to Strickland and Justin Tafa, who did get a finish, right? But on that one, they didn't have no finishes. That was a bigger budget, and, and you know, and that one had a title fight and uh, pay-per-views and things like that. So, you know, they decided to do one on this one, and it makes me happy, but I, I just don't understand how you tell those two Nah, uh, no fight of the night for you guys. We're gonna we're gonna take care of you behind the scenes. It's always this little big secret. Yeah, I mean, this is a fight that is gonna be. I I promise you, at the end of the year, when we're all voting on what was the fight of the year, it'll at least be in the talks. It'll be there. As a lifelong sports fan, you know what this has. You know what this sounds like. Have you ever heard of these bonuses that athletes have? And I'll. It'll say like, "Who's your quarterback? What's his name?" Um, Red got a Thursday or uh, Howell. Okay, let's say this Howell. Howell, you, you said Sam Howell. Okay, let's say Howell got uh, you know, he's coming along 10 million a year, but he'll get an extra million if he throws for 4,000 yards. He only needs 200, it's 180 at half, but the commanders are winning 28 nothing. Come on, let him come out for that series in the second half. If you can get those 20 yards, you pay him the million. He'd be mm-hmm. happy with that. His family would be happy with that. But instead, at half, you purposely pull him and say, we wanted to hold him for the playoffs, which I guess you could say or whatever. Uh, we just didn't want him to get injured. But you could just tell those little weasel way of not paying them. That's what that almost sounds like, man. And it sucks because the UFC has money. Earlier in the week, they did this merger with WWE. And we've been throwing around that $13 billion mark. I think it's 12 or 13. That's a lot of dough that that company uh, has a value for. Now, just because their revenue hasn't worked out that way because they have debt or whatever, that's not the fighter's problem. They're going out there and fighting their hearts out. They're taking, you know, they're, they're taking probably years off their lives. Who knows, man? But it's just bullshit. Well, 
I told you. Well, yeah, I mean, you make great points there. Um, but I, but by the way, going back to last year, I told you Sam Howell's going to be a problem. Did you see his game today? I saw they came back from what twenty-one nothing or twenty-eight-seven or something. Mm, I think it was at one point twenty-one-three uh, or something like that. Yeah, I, I didn't see what his stats were. I just saw they came back, and then Denver almost came back on them. Right? They lost thirty-five, thirty-three. Yeah, kind of got away with one at the end. Maybe a pass interference in the end zone. That's crazy. But two and zero. The Niners are two and zero. The Cowboys are two and zero. We all were kind of talking a little bit of smack on our uh, our teams that we root for here at MMA Junkie. But the kid had two hundred ninety nine yards and two TDs, no interceptions. Yeah, don't turn the ball over. That's the key, man. You got to punt. You got to punt. You give your defense a longer field to protect it for you. Um, but when you turn it over, no good. All right. That was UFC Noche, or, well, that was the UFC Fight Night. It was still a fight night, and it was a numbered show. It was UFC Fight Night 227, or UFC on ESPN Plus 85, or UFC Fight Night Grasso versus Shoshenko 2, but we were all calling it by its hashtag, Noche UFC. What did you think of Noche UFC goes? Home run. I enjoyed it very much. Um... I thought they did a great job promoting it. I thought there was a lot of cool things that they added to it. And uh, this is, it's kind of a criticism that the UFC gets from us from time to time is not really thinking outside the box. You know, when you when you look at the other promotions, they got Grand Prix going on. They got seasons, points, ramps, all this stuff. Uh, this is the one thing that uh, kind of softened things a little bit for the UFC. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a good idea, and I thought it worked out well. The direct translation of Noche UFC is uh, Night of UFC, right? Or mm-hmm. UFC Night or something like that. I guess I guess you would tell your friends, tonight's a UFC night. You know, if you didn't know it was a fight night or pay-per-view, Noche UFC. Do you, do you think it should have been like Noche de Combate UFC or something like that? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's it a different wavelength soft. in Spanish. It was a little too soft. I would have gone with something like... Uh... Uh, Noche de, de Guerreros or something, you know, like something like mm-hmm. that. You think it should be every year and should it be in Las Vegas? Every year and it should be in Las Vegas, yeah. Yeah, because they can go on October 18th, January 2nd, April 3rd, pretty much any night in Mexico and it'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to necessarily save it, but giving a reason for Mexicans to come to the fight capital of the world uh, and putting together a card like that, especially when right now, I think boxing, I won't say he has run its course because Canelo fights in two weeks. And had he done it this week, it would have been just as big. But, folks, it's big in the United States. There was a lot of musical art artists here in town. Um, so that, along with the night of fights, that was a great night for Las Vegas. Yeah, you know, we're Las Vegas locals. So this brings a lot of money to the city. I think people would be more inclined to spend their money you know, when you're trying to map out what your year is going to be like, you might tell your boys, we got to be down there in Vegas for Mexican Independence Day. And on top of that, we could go to the fights. Like, it just, it's that little sugar there that you add on top. I think it would be a great idea, man. I hope they keep up with it. Do they have to have a uh, Mexican champion, though? Or as long as they got Mexican stars, is it good? I don't want to give my hand away too much. I want to save it for spinning back click. But I'm going to say no. They don't need a champ. And I have a solution for it. Mm, tune in tomorrow, folks. 11 a.m. Eastern. 8 a.m. Pacific. That's the temporary start time for spinning backlick. It's usually noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. But we've been going an hour early during this run of Dana White Contender Series. And the reason is because Dana White Contender Series weigh-ins are actually at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And we don't want to interrupt that for all you hardcore fans that want a piece of everything. So we go first, they go next, but that's going to come to an end soon. So I'm going to specify that it's just during this 10-week run of Dana White Contender Series that we go at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, and then we'll go back to our normal start time. Check it out. We'll be discussing this again with our colleagues we will be discussing some of the latest news, maybe going more into this UFC and WWE merger under the TKO banner. 
which, by the way, is traded publicly. So that's pretty cool. If you think, uh, if you believe in what Endeavor's done, you have a way of getting in there yourself and having a piece of the pie. I think they're going for $100 a share. Nice round number. Uh, in other news, before we play this interview with Scott Kent, Sean O'Malley went back to Montana goes where the University of Montana had a football game. They love him out there. He lives in Arizona for the last 10 or 12 years, but he's originally from Montana, but I guess he was a hit out there. Yeah, I saw that. He was out there cheering with his people. I thought that was really cool, dude. Sean O'Malley, there's times where he can be a little too much, but most of the time he's got me laughing. And uh, he, he's fun to... Before, it was just kind of like a fun little project. It was cute when he would do things here and there and make you laugh, but now he's got the fighting skills to back it up. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Kevin Holland calling for a hair versus hair match against Neil Magny? I like it. Um, Me too. I think it's a nice way to bounce back. I know he's disappointed, and I know he thought he won, but he didn't. It was either 29-28 Jack Della Maddalena or 30-27 Jack Della Maddalena. But here's Holland, I think, was counting on taking the fights to the ground and maybe getting busy there. But Jack Della Maddalena, you know, didn't let that happen. I thought he could have won. I thought he was just too passive. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, is Raul Rosas getting a little bit too big for his britches? He want he says he's destined to be a superstar. I mean, look, when he goes at it, dude, from the beginning, from the minute the fight starts, he goes for it. I will give him that. Um, and he's got a nit factor to him, but what do you think? Like, he just doesn't know better. That's a big word, man. Um, I I don't blame him. I think he just doesn't know any better. He's, he's a really young kid. Um, but yeah, those are big shoes to fill. You know, when you throw those words out there and considering what happened in the fight previous, I mean, that's a good way to help us forget it. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, but that that's just a super big call out. I don't hate him for doing it though. He's exciting. He goes for it. I like it in that regard. Why didn't they have Ariane Celeste, by the way, who's Mexican, as one of the ring card girls? And why is she is she moved on? Why hasn't she been around for that stuff? I thought I saw her not too long ago. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I know at UFC two ninety three, she was there in Australia. She just didn't do the catwalk thing, but. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, I like Ariane. Yeah. Pretty much cool. came around the sport around the time that we did, and she's made one hell of a career for herself. So that's cool. The last thing I was going to say was uh, where was it? Oh, I want to give a shout out to Sam Alvey. A lot of people shit on him because he lost eight in a row and he still kept coming back. And so every time a fighter would lose four in a row, five in a row, we'd say, well, they kept Sam Alvey, you know, almost kind of like demeaning in a way. Look, it's an eight fight losing streak. There's no way around it. What needs to be said needs to be said. I think we were all we always kept it respectful, but I know he got kind of buried on social media a little bit. Well, guess what goes? He came back at karate combat and had a win. A pretty devastating finish, too. Good for him. Brutal. Brutal KO for sure. Yeah. That was his debut. And it got a lot of shares and uh, a lot of love. And I just wanted to extend that to him as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Folks, we'll be back. We're going to play this pre-recorded interview that we did with Scott Kent. It was just prior to the show, so it's uh, pretty fresh. They have an event coming up here in Las Vegas. And can't stress enough to you, if you'll be in Vegas next weekend or if you are at home consuming sports, watch Lion Fight 75. What's up, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and goes going old school, talking to an old friend of ours, Scott Kent from Lion Fight Muay Thai. They got a show on September 23rd at the Virgin Hotel here in Las Vegas, formerly known as the Hard Rock. The event will be uh, taking place at the place called formerly The Joint. So a lot coming together. It's now called the Theater at the Virgin Hotels. Tickets are still available, all right? Saturday, September 23rd, 7 p.m. Get there early because the doors open at, at 6 and you want to get in your seat because I'm telling you, the action starts from the opening bell of the opening fight. Also, if you can't make it, Fight TV's got you covered. That's how you can tune in for the fights. Welcome back, Scott. Ken, how are you? 
Gentlemen, good to see you again. Good to see you too. And good to see Lion Fight uh, back in our lives, we can say, and here in Las Vegas. Bad timing for us. As you know, we've been in many of your shows. We won't be able to attend this one, but we'll definitely be watching. Um, but that's great to see you guys, I guess, uh, maybe getting the ball rolling again in Vegas. Is that how it's going to be? Yeah, you know, COVID hit everybody pretty hard. And I know we were uh, ended up doing a lot of shows overseas. We were in Kansas and Wyoming. We had our, our contract with UFC Fight Pass. So, you know, it was tough for everybody. And Vegas, as you know, just kind of closed down. So it was good for us to kind of retool everything. And, um, you know, we're real excited about some of the things we've got planned going into 2024 and really excited about this 75th show here at the, uh, uh, the theater at Virgin. We did the last show at the old hard rock at the joint, the last fight there. So it's exciting to be, uh, back to this event. Mm -hmm. I see you have a world title fight going on there with two undefeated fighters and we'll get to that in just a second, but Jesse, Jess, Jessica Rose Clark, who's been on our radar for many years. I see she's also on the card. She's in the co-main event slot. How did you uh, come to, I guess, cross paths with her? She's excited. We already talked to her. Well, and it's one of the things that's great about this job is you get to meet so many nice folks. And uh, Karen Fitzgibbons, who is training her now, uh, we've worked with a lot of his fighters over the years. You know, Kevin Ross, Gaston Bolanos, all those guys. He called me and he said, well, would you be interested? You know, I've got a, a, a star here who was uh, with the UFC for years. She really wants to try some Muay Thai. And we did that with Chip Pollard. You know, he was an MMA guy. So when he threw out her name, I'm like, well, absolutely. Let's put it together. As you guys know, when we had Chris Cyborg on, it was probably our highest rated show we ever had. So it's exciting for our sport. It's exciting for uh, uh, a lot of the MMA folks. Uh, get to see uh, a different side of Jesse Jess. Yeah, and so I wanted to ask you, because you've had a pretty great relationship with MMA athletes, whether it be athletes who are free to move about and go fight for you, go fight for somewhere else, fighters that started with you and now are in MMA, so like a Gaston Bolanos, for example. I remember seeing Hakeem Dewadu with you guys. What uh, are, are you opening the doors for MMA fighters like a Jessica Rose Clark or any others? Is that like your type of fighter? I think it's the business itself that's evolving you know you look at what's happening with boxing with mma and people want to try you know may have a particular skill set where they want to try you know or they'll go to thailand and train at a gym in muay thai uh, yeah. i know valentina was was there for the last month um and you know it's a great opportunity if you're a striker to Test your set of skills in, in traditional Muay Thai. It's a big part of all the MA, MMA fighters. Arsenal, uh, we've got the biggest brand out there as far as just promoting pure Muay Thai. So, and being here in Vegas, it, it, it just makes sense. We're open to uh, lots of other folks that want to come in and give us a try. Uh, we'd love to showcase Muay Thai like we did with Jarena Bars against Chris Cyborg. Great for the sport. Yeah, uh, that was a great fight. I remember that. Uh, Jarena, Dutch fighter, has fought in MMA as well. Uh, great story, if I'm not mistaken. I think she was a uh, like a cooler at a nightclub in Amsterdam. I think that was her job. So she's a badass every night of the mm -hmm. every night of the year, not just in the uh, lion fight ring. Are Are you guys gonna bring back the ring like normal? I mean, that's a beautiful way to take in fights. I love MMA. It's our sport. But the cage is a little bit more obstructed th than the ring. You guys bringing back the ring? We'll always have the ring. We'll always be in a ring. I think it's the best for the fans. Uh, it's, you know, we try and keep as much of the tradition of the sport as we can and still make it palatable for an American audience. Um, the ring is the best way to see a fight, in my opinion. And uh, I agree. something we're always going to stick with. Yeah, in person, you're you're not rubbernecking or anything. I mean, it's a clear view, folks. I'm telling you, it's worth every penny. A lot of blood is spilled at these events. Go ahead, Ghost. Hey, Scott. So when we first started talking to you, so much has changed in regards to just there wasn't any of these celebrity boxing matches. There was no bare knuckle. Uh, I, I think PFL was just barely getting off the ground. There's so many things 
that consume a fight fan's time. Can you maybe give us a little pitch, like as far as Lion Fight, how it how it stands out from everyone else, and maybe some of those intricacies that a lot of people just aren't aware about Muay Thai? Yeah, well, you know, just kind of, and we've talked about this in the past, you know, why is it the most exciting stand-up fighting sport in the world? It's because fighters can use their elbows, their knees, uh, they can kick and they can punch. And I was talking to somebody the other day about barnacle boxing and i said no i yeah i have respect for for any kind of a, a a fighting art form and they go well, if you get hit and i said well i've been punched without a glove have you ever been kneed in the chin <laughs> have you ever been kicked upside the head uh you know have you had an elbow split your forehead open and i said that's why those are the kinds of elements that we try and really focus on with with our casual fans or folks that are kind of confused as far as what MMA is compared to Muay Thai. It's the art of eight limbs. You got eight weapons. And in my opinion, it's the most devastating stand-up combat sport in the world. What about as far as Americans and Muay Thai? How do you feel like maybe in the last five years? Are they gaining more steam? Are they gaining momentum? Or are they starting? Because I, I, you know, every time I drive around, I, I see quite a few Muay Thai gyms here and there. Like, has it really caught on with the American crowd? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a process. You're always swimming upstream against jujitsu. They had the foot pulled in with, with the MMA audience and then with the UFC's explosion. Um, a lot more people are getting into Muay Thai and traditional Muay Thai. I think it's a martial art that still is an untapped resource. I think we've got a long way to go to um expand our sport that's why we've reached out when we've had the opportunity with like a jesse jess she's going to bring a whole new group of muay thai fans that maybe weren't really sure what it was uh, and see how serious she is about it uh so i think you know just just combat sports has changed so much guys when i started this and you remember back uh, 13 years ago, we were passing fight posters out of the trunk of our cars at all the gyms. Now it's all social media. It's all ticket sales through uh, the internet and through the box office. So we have to keep up with the times. We have to reach a broader audience because I've always said, once you see Muay Thai, you're going to fall in love with it. Scott, I can't really see what you're wearing right now, but I know you got something up your sleeve. You always plan ahead. Can you maybe share with us? Oh, nice. Can you maybe share with us some of the things that we could look forward to in uh, 2024? I know some people, somebody asked the other day, what about like one championship cross promotion with them? What about different areas that maybe you guys haven't reached before? Uh, will, will the show be traveling more? Will you be a little bit more now based in, in uh, Las Vegas? Can you kind of give us a little tips on maybe what 2024 might look like for us? Well, our initial investment, and remember what we started out at Prim, guys, but we were bringing in Cosmo Alexander, we were bringing in Sockman Cole, no one even knew who the heck these guys were, but we were bringing in world-class talent uh, from really day one when it was just a battle in the desert promotion. Um, we've continued to grow that with, you know, the Yodson Clys, Fabio Pincas, all of these international stars. So our investment really was getting an international brand. And I was fortunate enough, you know, back in the day to meet with, uh, you know, Dana and Lorenzo and had lunch and they were talking about the brand and how important that was. And Muay Thai's always had a lot of local and regional promotions, but nobody has really stepped up, not only internationally, but in the United States itself. And I think we felt like that was what we fulfilled by being at Foxwoods and Pechanga and then our home here in Vegas. And we've done 74 shows in nine countries now. So when I go to London, when I go to Italy, everybody knows Lion Fight. That was our investment in the brand. We really want to focus in 2024 on doing at least a fighter quarter, a fight a quarter here in Las Vegas. We're going to continue to expand the brand overseas. We're already looking at some potential dates and probably in some areas of the world where we haven't been before. So it's an exciting time for us. Um, our fight this Saturday is a celebration for every fighter that's ever fought for us, everybody that's worked for us or volunteered. So I hope everybody sees it that way as 
Muay Thai has exploded and how the brand has really become something that's uh, recognized internationally. Yes, I, I'm glad you brought up that name. I wanted to connect the dots for a lot of the combat sports fans that may not have remembered that first run. It was nuts, folks. And Cosmo Alexander is the guy that broke um, Sage Northcutt's face up over at one championship. Lion Fight has really had some vicious athletes. I think it was one guy, Malapet, I believe. And Malapet fought for us for years. Cosmo Vertex. fought. Sock McCall broke his, mm -hmm. remember he broke his wrist. He broke his orbital socket. He ended up having like 18 stitches. Cosmo lost the fight, but it was yeah. one of those defining fights where people were just like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. Kevin Ross, Angela Hill are two more names, very recognizable uh, in the MMA world. Uh, and I'm telling you, the guys from Extreme Couture, the gyms in Vegas, everybody would go and come out and they'd be gushing and i'm going to use that word again when eddie alvarez fought at bare knuckle about six months ago or something he was like oh, you could just tell he had just fought chad mendez and he was like i wouldn't mind doing this again almost like i could be done with mma and i wouldn't mind you know doing this again and it was that same rush that i would see a lot of the athletes pre and post fight your events i remember chris cyborg had nerves she told me she had nerves because she said mma i've done it so much and obviously she's great at it right she goes but she knew this one like you said eight limbs are going to be coming at her and she was fighting a top-notch athlete in jarena bars and so i remember that buzz and goosebumps that everybody had um yeah, I, I can't endorse this event enough. The promotion, the events, and I'm glad you guys are back, Scott. Um, will it be something like 2020? You said maybe one a quarter, so it's going to start off a little slower. Like in, in 2021, I remember you guys came back with a bang after 2020, obviously slowed down the whole planet. But 2021, I think you had like eight, ten events. Um, when can we get to that frequency when you guys, you know, it was almost like a monthly thing? I think we're going to be that way next year. When I said quarterly, I just meant in Las Vegas. Oh, we're looking at a couple oh. of potential partners here, a couple okay. of venues that we're looking at to where we would probably do our first fight back here. We might even try and do one by the end of the year, but our, our deal would be doing a fight a quarter here in Las Vegas. And then, um, all across the U.S., hopefully, and throughout uh, Europe again. Uh, even Reno. We had some folks reach out in Reno that said, you know, mm -hmm. we'd love to do some shows in Reno. You mentioned Kevin Ross, just kind of an FYI. Kevin, who was probably the face of American Muay Thai for, you know, the, his generation, he's going to be uh, doing commentating for this oh, fight. Cool. So we're excited to have him back, former Lions Fight World Champion, and brings a wealth of knowledge and expertise. So it's going to be great to have him behind the mic. Yeah, no doubt. He's definitely a, a legend in the sport of Muay Thai. Um, and a lot of MMA athletes have trained with him cross-trained and sure. they said he was a beast i remember militic and chavello would say that that this event was their favorite to call because again mma it's a fun sport but you know sometimes you have these lulls between an exciting fight and uh well between exciting fights sometimes you just have a couple that slow things down with lion fight folks i'm telling you man it is pretty gory vicious and violent from the beginning so uh, again, it's Saturday at the 23rd. If you find yourself in Vegas, go get yourself a ticket. Go to lionfight.com to start off. From there, you'll see links to the tickets that'll guide you towards Access TV, the box office there at the Virgin, uh, formerly the Hard Rock. And if you can't uh, take the event in in person, the Fight TV will have a broadcast starting at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. And uh, again, the links you can go through Lion Fight to access that. Scott, it's been great catching up with you, and hopefully we uh, can make the next event. I don't see why we wouldn't. It's rare that we really leave town, honestly. Um, but uh, thank you so much for doing the show, and good luck. I hope you have a killer event back here in Las Vegas. Well, guys, happy birthday coming up. We appreciate it. You've been with us since the very beginning, and I'll always remember that and appreciate that. So thanks again for your support. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Have a good one. And we weren't joking when we told them, bro, we are bummed that we can't go because we would be there.
Um, it's like going it's to a great a venue and it's it's fun. What's that? It's like going to a movie premiere or something is how I can describe it. Um, a lot of people dress up for it. It's just fine. Like you almost feel like you shouldn't be there. Like you shouldn't be watching this. Like uh, at, at any second, the cops can can storm in and and ruin the night. It just has that feel to it. Mm-hmm. But they're great night of fights, man. They're really really cool. They put on a great show. I totally dig it. When Militich was one of the top color commentators, he he told me he goes, "I'm having more fun calling lion fight than MMA." And it was nothing against. RFA, LFC at the time, or anything like that. I think it just it became it was just something new. It was something fresh. It was gory. You know, Militage. Militage loves him some violence. I know he's been getting in some trouble there with the drinking and driving stuff. He needs to cut that out. But um he loved it. And of course, Chavello comes from combat, stand-up, stand-up combat, you know, kickboxing and and Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. So it was right down his wheelhouse, too. Yeah. Those kind of were the days, honestly. Anyway, folks, listen, we're going to bounce on out of here. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in, your support, the shares, the retweets, everything we see them. And don't forget, spinning back click. You can watch it live every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. We'll be doing it again tomorrow. In depth, we'll be talking about this uh, event that just took place, Noche UFC. And I know we're going to really, really touch on this title fight, which was pretty epic. It was just kind of ruined by a shitty score uh, by Judge Mike Bell, who's a veteran, man. He's respected. I, I I don't know. I just don't know why why he turned that one in. So we'll check you out then. And uh, that's it. We're out of here. Go out and be a champion. Talk to you soon.